Hey, what's going on? Welcome back. Today is a very special carpool edition of Backseat Banter because we have Andres Lopez from Cultura Sports on with us today. He's reported on the NBA Finals and has some uh, very viral videos uh, take over the internet in recent times. He's the anchor of a sports news segment on Sharks United Television and has covered our hometown team, the Miami Heat. Uh, welcome, Andres, to Backseat Banter. My name is Sam Krujikov, one of the hosts of the show, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Silber. It's a pleasure to have you Good. both on the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited. We've been... Uh... Wanted to make this happen for a while, so I'm happy we finally are able to make it happen, and I look forward to it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, so let's, let's get right into the show. Um, Andres, you've covered the Miami Heat, obviously, and even went on to cover the prestiged NBA Finals, uh, which the Heat took part in. What was it like covering one of the biggest platforms um, out there in the world and and how have you found so much success at such a young age uh, reporting at the highest level? So uh, to address the first part of your question, it still feels unreal. It still feels like mm -hmm. it's been a dream. So much has been going on and so many things have happened so quickly one after the other that uh, I still find myself processing it. And we're already starting the new season, especially this. This has been a mm -hmm. weird season where yeah, it really has happened. It just stopped happening, and mm -hmm. then everything just happened at once. So it, it was a lot to take in. And then uh, in terms of uh, the success, I feel like I've just been blessed with being at the right place at the right time with the right people. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been able to connect with a lot of people that have opened doors for me. And uh, therefore, I am where I am. Um, of course, I mean, all glory to God, I've been blessed with great opportunities and we've been able to make the most out of these opportunities i feel like anybody can find success if you can really take your chances if you're not scared put yourself out there so um that's basically it like uh, there's no secret recipe to like being successful at a young age it's just like just making the most of your opportunities and not being able to take that risk to go out there and put yourself out there because obviously it's a little scary at first mm -hmm. especially in my case this was my first year with the NBA yeah. and I went all the yeah. way into the NBA finals. It's kind of like diving into the deep end already. <laughs> and uh, at first it is very imposing. It's intimidating. But mm -hmm. once you get the hang of it, you realize that a lot of these players that you kind of idolize and grow up, like looking up to, they're human beings just like you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so that kind of brings, that kind of levels the playing field and you just go in with that mentality and you're like, you know what? I can really do anything here. Yeah, I mean, that's really well said, man. And that's great advice for anyone to hear, whether it's in sports media or in literally any other facet of life. That That's great advice. I could really transfer over to any industry, any field whatsoever. And um, it doesn't even apply to just people who are uh, younger. It can really just anyone can use that and really apply it to their life and be successful at whatever they do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just going and when the, the, your first season working in the league and you were supposed to get your toes wet. Uh, I want to hear a little about how you got started with Miami, but then you go and you're covering the NBA finals in your first season. So I can imagine there's the, the Jader factor. Um, you're going in probably, who, who was your, your first like big interview that you really got you nervous? So that's funny that you say that because the answer to both of those questions is the same answer. 
Uh, I started with the Miami Heat because mm -hmm. my uncle who works for Cultura Sports, he's part owner of Cultura Sports, he mentioned that he needed someone to cover Dwayne Wade's jersey retirement here wow. in Miami. Oh, boy. And he was like, oh, like, I know that you're really into this. Like, I know you really want to get into this world. Would you be down to cover it? Because I'm looking for someone that I can trust to send to this big event. And I was like, say less. Let's do it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of responded on an instinct. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Of course. And then mm -hmm. after I said yes, and he was like, all right, here's your press pass, it kind of hits you like... When you get the pass. Hey, well, okay, yeah. We're really doing this. I didn't mm -hmm. plan to go this far. We're really doing this. Mm -hmm. So uh, going into that day, I had three interviews that day. My very, very first interview was with uh, Bam Adebayo. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I was... Funny story, just like a little like a side story that mm -hmm. happened this day. I Because it's my first day there. I am unaware that there's a lot of unspoken rules when you're covering the NBA. For example, um, news reporters can only stand at a specific part of the court. Okay. You can only be underneath one of the rims. That's the only place where you can stand. Okay. I didn't know that. So I actually went on the court and I stood at half court. And mm -hmm. while I was there, trying to get somebody's attention to see if I could get an interview. Mm -hmm. uh, Duncan Robinson walks in to do his warm-up. This is all uh -huh. before the game. It was a game against Cleveland. Okay. And Duncan Robinson is just walking in saying hi to everyone. And obviously, I'm not standing where I'm supposed to be. So I guess he just assumed I worked for the heater. I was somewhere. <laughs> and this dude just comes from behind and he just hugs me. He's like, hey, <laughs> going? And I'm like, I just look at him and I'm like, wait. Wow. Excuse me? Hello. How's it going? How are you? Welcome, welcome to the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. And he was like, oh, good to see you. And I'm like, good to see you. Good to see you. Like, it's great. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get that so, exclusive uh, courtside content. Yeah, literally. And then, so that was super unexpected. From there, uh, I interviewed Bam. And um, I usually try to keep my questions very off-court oriented. Mm -hmm. I feel like Athletes get asked a lot about stats, points, mm. you know, rebounds, whatever. I think it's very refreshing when someone can come in with something different that they're not expecting, mm -hmm. and that can completely change the mood of the room. So my question for Bam was about um, the All-Star game, because the All-Star game had just passed, and he he was a first-time All-Star. Yeah. But I didn't ask him about his points. I was like, what did it feel like to represent the city of Miami? Like, you're new here, and you're mm -hmm. already performing at this big stage with the city of Miami on your back, like, what was that like? And then after that, we were allowed to go into the locker room to okay. see if we, if we had any players that we could interview. When we're in the locker room, every single – I saw Andre Godala peep into the door. He saw that we were all there, and he turned right around and left. Like, nobody wanted to talk to <laughs> The only person that was there was Myers Leonard. And okay. he was only there because he was getting therapy on his ankle that he had injured. So he had nowhere to go. He was literally sitting there. With he was forced to sit there. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of forced to sit there. Yet he's such a huge, you know, mm -hmm. human being that people weren't really approaching him. Mm -hmm. And then this one random uh, reporter from ESPN Japan, I don't know who, why they were here, but he just approached him like he probably didn't really know who he was. He was just like, you look tall. You're probably a basketball player. Let me interview you. <laughs> and... Um, they started talking to him and he was so nice and respectful to him mm -hmm. and that automatically was like all right maybe i can approach this guy too yeah mm -hmm. so i kind of walked over to him and i was like hey man how's it going and he's like hey what's up what's your name and i'm like <laughs> it's it it really 
took me aside to think this guy is genuinely interested in what my name is. Like any other player mm-hmm. here could care less who I am. Yeah. This guy is so nice and he's actually asking for my name. So we actually started having this whole conversation. And after like five minutes of talking, I'm like, do you mind if I interview you? And he's like, yeah, sure. What are we going to talk about? And again, um, I'm trying to think like, what can I talk to him about that's different? Yeah. And you know, Myers uh, streams on Twitch. He's always playing video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I tune like, in. Oh, let's, let's talk about video games. And this dude's face automatically lit up. And he was like, do you want to sit down next to me? Do you want to pop a squat? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. For sure. Myers you know- and I end up having this 30 minute conversation sitting in the floor of the locker room. Uh-huh. And after 30 minutes, he goes, wait, when's the interview starting? <laughs> oh, no. I just completely <laughs> forgot that I had to actually interview him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of uh, interesting because a lot of people don't get that kind of insight into what actually goes on in the locker room with these guys are like as real people and not just uh, numbers on a jersey, right? So a lot of people were looking at Myers Leonard getting re-signed by the Heat, for example. And he got a pretty big contract. And a lot of people were wondering, like, why did that happen? There's you know, reports of Jimmy Butler was like really pushing for that. Uh, but it's not only what he does on the court, it's the presence he is in the locker room off the court. He makes, I'm assuming from what you, you've said, he probably lifts everyone's spirits in that locker room, right? When I spoke to him during the uh, playoffs, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was a really nice full circle moment because I spoke to him the game after he gets injured mm-hmm. and he went through all the recovery process. And then in the playoffs, he managed to play a few minutes in one of the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was against the Celtics. And of course, because it was his comeback game, they sent him to go uh, address the press and everything. And I was able to talk to him and I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember, but we had this conversation the day you got injured. Mm. So I've kind of been following your progress through all these months. And the only other person on the team that never sits down during the game besides Coach Spo. Mm-hmm. is Myers Leonard. Yeah, you yeah. the sideline of any heat game, <laughs> that dude is on his feet yelling at his teammates, mm-hmm. supporting his teammates. You know, he's he, you can feel him there even if he's not on the court. So I was like, my question to you is, what is your role in the success of this team mm-hmm. from outside of the court? Because you definitely do play a role. And he gave me one of the most inspirational uh, – answers I've ever received he talked about his work ethic and how he thinks that everything influences success okay and how the tiniest little thing even if it's him standing up and yelling at his teammates for support that can help the team win and he's there even if he's injured to do anything that he can in order to make the team win that was when I was like you know what this man deserves every single penny of that contract Mm -hmm. that they're giving him because he is actually a driving force in that locker room yeah, I think he's really taken after uh, his teammate uh, UD because that's what he was doing for years in Miami, and now I guess Myers Leonard has taken that that mantle of he's the the maybe the cheerleader on the side of the uh, bench that also gets in and plays a few minutes and, and does some work. Yeah, he's he's really one of those those hype men. When you do a play, he's I mean, watching throughout the uh, playoffs, he was screaming at the top of his lungs, flexing his traps. He was. One of those guys that every time you did something crazy, he's going to let you know that you did it. And it was pretty cool that um, he got re-signed. So now you can work again with him this year. You're working with the Heat again this year, right? Yes. So uh, the one thing that I did enjoy from the pandemic is the fact that everybody was in the bubble and most of the things could ha- could be done through Zoom. Mm-hmm. Everything was virtual. 
So I was able to work with a lot of teams, but if the season does go back to uh, in-person and everybody in their respective arenas and mm -hmm. stuff, yes, uh, I will be traveling to certain games, but I will be working mostly with the Heat because I am South Florida-based. So um, it is the go-to team. So hopefully, yeah, I will see more of him. Uh, yeah. So how was that, by the way, um, transitioning from the, the in-person events, you know, the lights and the cameras to being able to talk with every single player? We saw you had interviews with LeBron when the Heat were playing uh, in the finals against the Lakers. And then even some of the rookies um, that, that just came in from the draft, you were able to talk to some of them. So how was that transition from the in-person, like team generated or like the team specific one to really opening the, the doors and starting to talk with the hottest names in the entire NBA. So like I said at the beginning, when life gives you lemons, you don't make lemonade, mm -hmm. you set up a freaking lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when the pandemic happened, a lot of people were like, oh, this sucks. Like mm -hmm. we can't physically be at a game. The way we saw it at Cultura was like, you know what? We can't be at one game. We can actually be at three games at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's make, let's capitalize on this situation and let's really get our presence out there. So uh, the way the whole uh, media thing works in the NBA, during the regular season, you contact each team individually to mm -hmm. request uh, coverage for their games, and then the team will approve you or not approve you. And then when you move on to the playoffs, it's invitation only. So mm -hmm. the teams tell the NBA, we like this, this, and this reporter, have them at our games. And then when it, go, when it gets to the finals, the NBA itself, they just choose who they invite and who they don't invite. So we worked really, really hard in covering all these teams during the regular season. And mm -hmm. that kind of earned us a spot in the playoffs and eventually in the finals. So to actually answer your question, transitioning from in-person to that, for us, it was very easy because we saw all the potential that there was in this change and how we would benefit mm -hmm. from it. Now, for a more practical standpoint, it's not the same as having the people right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I, it's so much easier to make a lasting impression on the players that you interview. Because keep in mind, a lot of these players don't even want to be interviewed. Yep, right? Right. You, just played, you just played 45 minutes of high-intensity basketball. <laughs> you probably lost the game. Mm -hmm. All you want to do is go home to your family. But yet you have to sit here for 45 minutes talking to people who are asking, why would you lose? Why did your team suck? Why didn't you get more rebounds? You know, mm -hmm. so putting yourself in their situation, it kind of sucks. I wouldn't want to do it either. So the least that I can do is make it a pleasant experience for them mm -hmm. to answer my mm -hmm. questions. So it's different when um, you're there face to face and they know, oh, that kid Andres, I really like the questions that he asks me. That's mm -hmm. what he looks like. I remember him now. When it came to the bubble, they couldn't really see our faces on Zoom. They just saw our name and our affiliation, like who we worked for. Mm. So, yeah, they know my name, but they don't know me by face. Yeah. It's and harder that, to pick you like out of a lineup. Exactly. And yeah. I feel like that face-to-face -face interaction is really important. So, on that side, yes, we did lack this season. But we made the most of it, and I, I really can't complain. Now, I want to ask you something real quick because there is one guy that it seems like you made a, a better connection with than a few others on the Heat, Jimmy Butler. Because you got one of the most iconic lines out of him um, when they were playing against the Thunder and CP3 was bullying Duncan Robinson a little <laughs> bit. And he stepped up and said, I'm out here to make friends. Um, and, and, you know, that that's the kind of line where Jimmy doesn't open up to all 
reporters like that. He doesn't play around and uh, have, have the fun that he had when, when you were interviewing him. So how, how did that happen? Just the, that entire story from start to finish. So uh, with Jimmy, uh, of course, as a member of the media, you're supposed to be as unbiased as you can. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the media professionalism to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's very hard. I've grown up a Heat fan my whole life. So yes, you put it aside and you make objective questions. But um, there are certain times where you're like, you know what? I really, really want to talk to Jimmy Butler because he's the big star of the Miami Heat. And that's mm -hmm. the team that on the very low key I like. So um, you fanboyed a little bit. Yeah. So when it came to Jimmy, <laughs> I really, really wanted to have a good connection with him because the last thing you want is for your hero to hate you. Yeah. So uh, the very first uh, time that I interviewed Jimmy, uh, they had just lost two out of three uh, preseason games, the practice games that they yeah. did as soon as they got into the book. They lost two out of three of those. They had just lost the second one and everybody was grilling him and they were like, why are you guys losing? How is this going to reflect on the season? And you could tell, you need to read the room. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that Jimmy was very uncomfortable. He didn't want to be there. He was getting pissed. So then um, I decided to ask him about his vlog. He has a YouTube vlog mm -hmm. where he'll do like travel videos and stuff. And it's actually really funny. Mm -hmm. And um, so my question to him was, Jimmy, I don't know if uh, you've considered this before, but a lot of other players like Matisse Taibou or Javal McGee have found great success in this area. Mm -hmm. Is there any chance that we can see the vlog make a comeback during the bubble? And he actually started laughing. <laughs> and he was like, I would have never thought you were going to ask me that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's when he had first announced that he was making coffee. And that eventually mm -hmm. turned into the whole big face coffee thing yeah. that basically took over the bubble. And um, so that was actually a question that I asked him. So right then and there, he kind of knows my name now. So from here onwards, when I ask him a question, he's going to be like, oh, wait, that's the kid that asked me about the, the YouTube blogs. You know, I like mm -hmm. this guy. Mm -hmm. And so, that definitely takes more like research too to know all these things about the players that, you know, an average reporter just looks at the stat sheet and goes, okay, I'm going to ask him why they lost the game. Exactly. Right? And, and you, I feel you like took the extra the, step there. Yeah, but not really the extra step. I feel like it has a lot to do with the demographic of who is a reporter in the NBA today. Mm -hmm. If you, well, if, if while I'm sitting there, I look around and, I'm 21 years old and everybody else around mm -hmm. me is 40, 50, yeah. you know? So just, just having social media, just being active on mm -hmm. YouTube already gave me the edge as opposed to everybody else around me, you know? So that's why I feel like being young in this business is, is a huge plus that people sometimes overlook mm -hmm. because you know stuff that a lot of the others don't know just by being young. Do you get any funny looks because you are younger from the other reporters? Like when you were doing in-person reporting, uh, yeah. are they like, are you, are you misplaced here? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yes. Kind of. Um, not really funny looks, but sometimes people don't really take you seriously because mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, who sent their intern here or something. Yeah. But um, in the end, I'm there to talk to the players, not to the other reporters. Mm -hmm. Yes. You take advantage of the networking opportunities because you never know. But um, in the end, I'm there for the players, not, um, not for everybody else. But um, when it comes to kind of wrapping it back to the other question of Jimmy Butler, going back to that OKC incident, when it came to asking him a tough question, those are the types of questions that reporters usually shy away from because mm -hmm. you don't want to piss him off. And obviously, that's a touchy subject. And you know how volatile Jimmy can be at times. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not claiming to be Jimmy's best friend. But I feel like I was very comfortable 
with the questions that I had asked him before, mm-hmm. then and that kind of allowed me to, you know what, let's take a risk and ask a little bit of a spicy question. And it really didn't disappoint because mm-hmm. he gave me a great answer. And Jimmy is just very blunt. He's straight up and he'll mm-hmm. just tell you what it is and how it is with no regard. And and he said that quote and it it was funny because at first I didn't make much of it. I was just like, damn, we got a really good response. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And then I went to sleep. And then... Uh, you wake up in the like, morning. <laughs> all these games happen really late at night. So I'm like, yeah. all right, that's it. Like, I'm calling it a day. I'm going to sleep. Then I wake up in the morning to a text from my uncle. And he goes, bro, you're on SportsCenter. Oh, my and God. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And I was like, you're joking. He goes, no, no, here's the link. And he sent me the link. Mm-hmm. And then my phone starts blowing up. And then I get a bunch of texts from people from the office here at Nova. I work at SUTV. And they were like, yo, you're in uh, Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Bleacher Report even left my name in. Like, Sports Center just mm-hmm. left my, uh, my, my question. Like, you could hear me ask the question, but they cut out my name. Bleacher Report put my name in there and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was on ESPN as well on their Instagram. And that's when I was like, okay, this is getting serious. Yeah, and yeah. We did something good, you know? Yeah, and that, that went viral. That made its rounds a couple times. Because every time the yeah. Heat would make it through another round of the playoffs, that would get played again. Like, oh, this is the story of the team. And you were part of that, that journey, that Eastern Conference Finals run, and then all the way to really being two games away from winning the championship. Yeah, uh, so – yeah, so other than the Miami Heat, which you're a low-key fan of, we'll keep that low-key low in air quotes. But, yeah, not like um, Jonathan, who has uh, LeBron there in the background. <laughs> back in his Miami days. But um, other than Miami, what was your favorite team to cover? I know during the transition from just the Heat to Zoom interviews, what was your favorite team to cover other than Miami? That's a great question. Um, I'd have to say it's a tie between – the Pelicans and the Suns. Okay. Well, the Suns had a great bubble. Yes, the Suns had a great bubble, and I was able to interview Devin Booker right after he hit that game-winning three to Ooh. win the game. That was amazing. Beautiful I was like, I can't shot. believe I just spoke to this guy. <laughs> but um, I really liked the Pelicans because I was able to have some really uh, insightful conversations with them. I interviewed uh, the coach before he got sacked, uh, Alvin Gentry. He yeah. was a great guy. And see, here's uh, – it's, it's full of misconceptions that you never really know until you experience it in person. I always saw Alvin Gentry as like a, like a Bond movie villain. He always looked so like serious. serious. <laughs> he always looked really intimidating. Mm-hmm. And when I spoke to him, he was the nicest guy. And he told me about how him and the team had gone fishing. And then mm-hmm. Jackson Hayes caught a, uh, you mean like when they loaded up something. the lake, they loaded up the lake with extra fish to make sure everyone could catch. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> But um, he was super – he gave me, like, a three-minute long answer. And he was mm-hmm. like, we build all these bonds with the team. He got, like, really – he opened up. Mm-hmm. And I would have never seen that coming from him. And since then, I was able to talk to a lot of – I spoke to Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is not a very talkative person, mm-hmm. per se. But within his own personality, he always gave me really good, thoughtful uh, responses, which is something that you really appreciate as, as a reporter because you don't have to be prying out information out mm-hmm. of them. So uh, – I really, really enjoy the Pelicans. And then, yeah, Phoenix. Um, Phoenix had such a great bubble that it was always thrilling to cover them because yeah. 
they were the underdogs and you were like, well, what's next? And they would always say, well, we got more to give. And you're like, oh, really? And they'd be like, bet, let me show you. And then they would. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a roller coaster with them. If, so there, if there's any tragedy of the bubble, it's that the, the Suns couldn't make the playoffs and give us at least four more games of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Of that magic. But, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. It is what it is. They had a great, uh, a great bubble performance, and they can only, it's only a preview of what is to come this season, you know? Mm-hmm. So Adrian Wojnarowski today actually broke. Uh, Russell Westbrook was getting traded to Washington for John Wall. And I wanted to get your insight on what this means for the NBA because John Wall is going to play in Houston with his former college teammate DeMarcus Cousins and Russell Westbrook is going to play in Washington for his former head coach Scott Brooks back at OKC. So, again, funny you ask me that because literally as we're talking, I'm getting a bunch of texts from people asking me, oh, did you see Russell Westbrook went to (laughs) Washington? And right before I got on this uh, Zoom call with you guys, I was talking to my uncle about it because my uncle is based in Washington, so he covers the Wizards. Mm -hmm. So he's thrilled. He's, like, so happy. Like, I'm going to have Russell Westbrook right here. And I'm like, I feel like Russell Westbrook, and this might be a hot take, I feel like Russell Westbrook is kind of kissing goodbye to his title aspirations by moving to Washington. He says, says, my uncle uh, seems to think that – they're going to surprise a lot of people with Bradley Beal and him. Bradley Beal is also not 100% staying in Washington. Mm-hmm. His future's up in the air. Yeah, I, I know as a, as a Miami reporter. With, yeah, yeah, they're saying that with uh, Westbrook's arrival, he might evaluate staying. We'll see about that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of question marks surrounding it, but I do feel like he had a better chance at a championship staying in Houston. That for being sure. said, was it the best environment for him? being in Houston probably not especially with James Harden wanting out so I don't know who's the real winner here Washington definitely won in this trade because they got a really good player John Wall had been injured for a long time yeah got a more we're gonna have player. to wait and see about his comeback season mm-hmm. but uh I feel like John Wall has a promising future in Houston I feel like he does fit in with the culture in Houston when it comes to a trade it's more so whether the player is going to be happy playing there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they don't have to, as much oh, of, a, a of a say guard. there. Get, you know. So right. we'll see. We'll see. My thoughts on it in conclusion, we're going to have to wait and see how Russell Westbrook performs. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see John Wall back. I'm excited to see John Wall back. I love John Wall. Yeah. John Wall, actually, looking at it from uh, the Houston Rockets perspective, they're getting a player who, when healthy, is one of the best point guards in the league and one of the highest-paced point guards in the league. So they're they're trading Russell Westbrook, who is one of those paced point guard players, for another one. And they probably had one of the best offseason uh, signings in Christian Wood. So I'm really excited to see how the Houston Rockets are going to look next season. Um, I was doing some research on you, Andres, and I was looking that you spent some time working as a social media manager for Total Blue. And I was very uh, interested to, to hear some stories about that. And was that really where you, you built um, your resume a little bit? So uh, Todo Blue was a project that we started with some friends from high school. And it kind of grew at a faster pace than we expected. Our idea of it, we kind of just combined a lot of stuff that we like to do. We really like to, uh, I'm originally from El Salvador. And El Salvador has a lot of natural resources. We have beaches, lakes, mountains, volcanoes, anything you can imagine, we, we have it. 
Mm-hmm. And we were like, we really like going to these places, but it kind of sucks that they're so dirty. Yeah. So we kind of started this project where we were doing ecotourism, where we would put together a trip to go to these really cool places. Mm-hmm. And then once everybody was there, everybody, oh yeah, nice, take pictures, whatever. All right, now here's a, a trash bag. Let's go pick up all our trash and let's clean up the place. Mm-hmm. So it was a great initiative that picked up a lot of steam. And um, it kind of allowed me to explore a different side of, uh, of my potential career. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do a lot of journalistic stuff there, but I did do a lot of media production stuff there. Mm-hmm. So I was in charge of the uh, social media management, yes, but also we filmed an, an ad that went on TV. And that was my first experience directing and writing in, in terms of production. Yep. And it was amazing. I loved every second of it. We had mm-hmm. so much fun filming that. And especially because we had, for the first time, at least in my career, we had all the equipment and all the crew there mm-hmm. at our disposition. In the past, I had done this before, but it's one of those things where you're like kind of the jack of all trades and you're like doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Here, I was actually in control of the mm-hmm. whole production and it really gave me an outlook into something that I didn't know I was going to enjoy so much. It was all at so, your fingertips right there, right? Yes. So now I can tell you that if the whole journalism thing doesn't work out for me, I'll gladly work in, you know, marketing and media production because that's another area that I, through Tolo Blue, I discovered that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so far, it seems like both both things, uh, you've been killing it in, in both of them. And it, they kind of go together, too, don't you think, where it's not just about can you get the takes from all these players, it's how can you get as many people to see that as possible. Yes. And it, it seems like they go together, and, and you could really just use both skills and grow even more. But I don't know how much more it can get than NBA Finals. You're already at <laughs> the of the game when it comes to that. Now, are there any other sports you're considering going into uh, trying to get to the highest level in those sports? So as a Central American, as a Latino, Mm -hmm. we all love soccer. Soccer is in our DNA. Everybody plays soccer. I used to play soccer as a kid. So soccer is definitely something. See, here's the thing. I don't want to get into something that I'm not very knowledgeable in. Mm -hmm. I feel like being a an efficient and a good reporter requires a lot of uh, knowledge and studying. Mm-hmm. So, for example, hockey is not a sport that I've ever been really exposed to. I've been mm-hmm. to a couple of games, but it's not something that I'm knowledgeable in enough to say, you know what, let me go cover a hockey game. I probably won't know what to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So soccer is one of those sports that I've been exposed to my whole entire life and that I'll gladly cover. I actually was going to cover uh, Inter-Miami last season, right mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And then they also ended up going to Orlando, so that didn't happen. But um, I'm definitely looking to get into soccer. It's something that I that I would love to do as well. Um, I mean, that's yeah, the biggest soccer. sport in the world, so definitely a big market for you to, to tap yourself into there. Um, if you didn't know, we also have our uh, the other two members of, of our show, and they host the Off the Bar uh, podcast which is more soccer oriented so they, they might have been able to ask you a few better questions about soccer um we're more on the basketball and football side of things um but definitely a great market jonathan you had something to say there um yeah i was gonna ask you one last question before we wrap things up here um you've already interviewed the biggest of names in the nba going from lebron james luka Doncic to several more but is there anybody on your bucket list of guys that you'd like to meet or to interview in the future? That's a good question. See, 
I actually have not interviewed LeBron James just yet. Oh, okay. When it Apologies. comes to LeBron, it's uh, it's very complicated because they don't let just about anybody talk to LeBron because LeBron's LeBron. Mm-hmm. So um, LeBron is definitely on my bucket list. But I mean, I feel like LeBron is on everybody's bucket list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't have LeBron on the bucket list. Um, actually, that's a good question. I, I have to think about that one. Who's really on my bucket list? Someone I've always, always, always wanted to talk to is Allen Iverson. Oh, wow. He's not, an, he's not an actual player, but, like, I really, really have a lot of respect for all the people that kind of paved the way for, mm-hmm. you know, what basketball is today. Allen Iverson is someone who I know will have some really hot takes and stuff mm-hmm. that we can really sit down and talk about, and he's going to pull something out of nowhere, and you'll be like, wait, <laughs> what'd you say? Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's, I think it would be such a fun interview to talk to Allen Iverson. Yeah, whenever Allen Iverson speaks to everybody, uh, there, there's a craze around it. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say because he's just one of those guys that really shaped the landscape of what the NBA is today. And I have, but he's one of my favorite players, though, most respect for him. Maybe if you get that Philly connection too, who knows, you might get to interview Meek Mill uh, and some of those guys. Yeah, right. I mean, we said even before on this show that Allen Iverson might be pound for pound the best player that's ever played the game. Maybe pound for pound if if he was six foot six and you know two twenty or something like that, he he would have had a much better chance at reaching that that goat status. Um, but always an interesting interview. Uh, maybe if it was a few years ago and you would have gotten that practice quote. <laughs> that imagine, been. imagine. Actually, I'm kind of salty because uh, talking about those what ifs mm-hmm. um when i was covering the the nba draft i got to interview cole anthony mm-hmm. and i don't know if you saw when cole anthony got selected he had a huge crowd in his house mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. he got selected everybody celebrated and out of nowhere uh spike lee was there spike lee oh. the legendary movie director <laughs> yep. and i'm like what the hell is spike lee doing <laughs> in uh-huh. cole anthony's house so that was going to be my question and i was going to be like can you talk about Spike Lee and mm-hmm. your relationship with him and stuff? And Someone beat you to the punch? Literally the guy that went before me. Oh, asked, no. He asked another question. He asked another <laughs> question. And just at the very end, he was like, oh, and what about Spike Lee? What was he doing at your house? Mm-hmm. I literally snapped my pencil and I was like, no <laughs> way. And to make matters worse, mm-hmm. Spike Lee was walking by as he asked the question. Uh-huh. And Spike Lee pops his head and he goes, hey, I'm here. I'm right here. Are you guys talking about me? And, then like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, that could have been me. <laughs> I could have been Spike Lee today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's a, you, when you write questions, you need to have like three or four backup questions. Mm-hmm. That always happens. But that one specifically, it really hurt. That was like yeah, a gold mine you were sitting on, right? And, and it, it no almost idea. got right to you. Yeah, so – do you think any of the quotes you you've already gotten are going to be like one of those that we look back on in like 15 years or whatever, like the, the practice quote, uh, quote with Alan Iverson. Do you think that you already have some of those quotes? I feel like I'm very, very, very young in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have a lot of, uh, ground to cover still. Yeah. And I feel like those quotes will come in time. Mm-hmm. That being said, the uh, the Jimmy Butler quote was up there. Yep. <laughs> the Jimmy Butler quote was up there, but um, I feel like those will come in time. I don't. I don't. I don't see myself as that reporter that's gonna go out there and 
and be quotable or get quotes from players. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm still learning uh, the ropes of the business. I mean, I've, I've been doing sports broadcasting for two and a half years now, NBA for one season. Yeah. Like I'm still very, very young in this and I'm still trying to learn as much as I can. So, and you came into the NBA in the craziest season to come into as well. Exactly. So when the time is right, uh, we'll definitely get some interesting quotes from players. I, I might actually just make that my mission now. Yeah, mm -hmm. Go so go cool. around asking the the spiciest questions possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get shut down a few times. I might get punched in the face, but yeah. you can't fine. get punched it through Zoom. So you got you got a very short window now be, <laughs> before true. it transitions back to that's the person. true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, what what are your uh, thoughts about this upcoming NBA season? We're really like just a couple weeks away now. Well, uh, I'm super excited because it kind of brings a little sense of normality with it. Mm -hmm. we're uh, aiming to be back in person. I don't know if fans will be allowed in person, but at least the teams are going to be playing in their respective arenas, except for Toronto, which yeah. is uh, kind of unfortunate. But they're in Tampa, so we can yeah. go watch. The, the, the Tampa but, Bay um, Raptors. Uh, another Florida <laughs> team. So, But all in all, uh, I'm very excited because it will bring a little sense of, yes, things are going back to normal. Now, that is also very dangerous because yeah. people mm -hmm. can sleep and be like, oh, wait, everything's back to normal? All right, let me take my mask off. Let me ask, let me act normal now. Mm -hmm. And um, just like the NFL is experiencing with their season, uh, not being in a bubble, the bubble proved to be the solution to all the problems. 100%. The bubble was a great idea. Not being in the bubble, we see what's happening in the NFL with all these players testing positive, people mm -hmm. getting pulled out of games because they just now tested positive. So we're going to have to see how that aspect of it develops. But then again, it's what we call the new normal. We have to adapt to what we have and just roll with the punches. So I commend the NBA on their amazing job in, uh, in putting together the bubble and everything that they did and managing to carry on the season with zero COVID cases. Mm -hmm. But we'll see how the season develops. I feel like they've learned a lot and it's very, very promising. Yeah, especially with uh, vaccines and therapeutics on the way, COVID might hopefully be on the way out and we could be back to a uh, old normal and not new normal. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, uh, the NBA is definitely uh, at the front of what uh, any sports league has done to really ensure the safety of their players, the fans, coaches, media guys, everybody. Um, yeah, so thank you, Andres. It was a pleasure uh, being able to talk to you tonight. Um, we had some really cool conversations about what the NBA was last year and what it can be this year we had a lot of cool stories that you covered too so it was really interesting to see what really the life of a reporter you know especially during a pandemic it's it's really unique uh you had some really cool stories to tell and obviously you cover our hometown heat so we had that connection too um it's been a pleasure andres the pleasure has been mine this was so much fun uh i look forward to maybe doing it again this was so much fun for thank sure, you guys man. for having me and yeah, anytime. Yeah, so if you guys are tuning in on Spotify or Apple, make sure to subscribe for more content in the future. We are posting on YouTube too, at Backseat Banter. So make sure to go check that out. Um, you have any plugs you want to do as well, Andros? Well, that's about it. Just a shout out to Cultura Sports. Uh, they've given me uh, the opportunity to do what I do. They believed in me. They believed in a kid with zero experience and they allowed mm -hmm. me to perform at the highest level so i'm definitely super super thankful to them uh shout out SUTV at nsu you know they also gave me a chance to start my whole sports career mm -hmm. so yeah go check out our original content at SUTV and go follow cultura sports on instagram 
and uh, you can stay up to date with our interviews as well. Yeah, so again, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, Sam, thank you as well for uh, giving some insightful questions too. Um, we, we had a great time. Uh, I hope to do this again in the future, Andres. Thank you everybody who listened and was tuning into this episode. With that being said, Backseat Banter out.